Let's talk today about the Lord's Prayer backwards. The Lord's Prayer backwards. In Matthew chapter 6, where I've been reading recently in my own devotional time, verses 9 to 13, so pray this way, Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts or our sins, as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Believers, especially older believers, pray this prayer regularly, and often by heart. Non-believers know the prayer as well. They say it at funerals. They learned it when they were growing up. It was a family thing. At one time, it started the morning off at school, but then I date myself. But there are a number of strange things about the Lord's Prayer and how it is used or not used today. For example, we don't follow Jesus' instructions. He said, when you pray, pray like this, so pray this way. And a lot of times, this prayer is simply repeated word for word without thinking and we repeat it as the pagans repeat themselves, hoping to be heard by their gods. And it's interesting that Matthew chapter 6, where the Lord's Prayer is, in verse 7 says, Don't pray like the pagans who pray and constantly repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again, hoping that their gods will hear them and answer them. And then we do exactly the same thing with the Lord's Prayer. In spite of the fact that Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. I think the second thing i concerned about that is strange about the Lord's Prayer is that we pray for and we major on the needs that we have and the concerns we have for others. You know, please forgive me. Thank you for that financial blessing. I needed it. Please touch those suffering persecution for your name's sake. Heal Aunt Gertrude and Uncle Orville. We just fail to understand the Lord's Prayer and its purpose as set out by the Lord. The Lord's Prayer is a list of key topics that we're asked to include in our time of prayer. It's a list of prayer priorities the ones that are most important to the Lord himself. So as a result, most of us start near the end of the list and often really never get back to the beginning of the list of priorities and key topics. We pray the Lord's Prayer backwards. And I believe we need to learn to pray this prayer in the order Jesus taught us. Most times we're praying it backwards from the bottom of the list of prayer priorities and often seldom reach the top of the prayer where we should have started in the first place according to Jesus' instructions. Think about it like this. The Lord's Prayer invites us to come inside as though we were entering a great and splendid mansion. And he's inviting us to come inside and make ourselves at home. But most of us, I think, come into this building through the wrong entrance. 
Imagine that you've been invited to a wonderful house and you drive up a long driveway towards the main building. But having parked your car, you lose your way and find yourself going in through a door around the back. And you creep inside and you begin to look around and you find yourself in a small outer kitchen. There's some food being prepared, several garbage bins. This is not what you expected though the sight of the food makes you hungry. And then you find your way slowly through the real, to the real kitchen, where a full meal is almost ready. And this looks good, but you know it wasn't the right way to enter the house. So you continue to explore the house, and you find yourself at last at the main entrance hall. Now you start to see how the whole house works. So finally you come to the front door and there with his back to you is your host. And he's been watching out for you. And when you, when you greet him, he's puzzled that you seem to have come in the wrong way. But he's delighted you're here at last. And now you can sit down and enjoy his company. And yes, it will very soon be time for that wonderful meal. Of course, as long as you get inside the house, that's the main thing, even if you break in by a window. But once you're in, once you find you are a welcomed guest and not an intruder, then it's worthwhile trying to figure out how the house actually works and what it might be like to come in properly by the front door. But let's start where we are with the things mentioned right at the end of the prayer. Because most of us, I believe, come in at the back door. We begin at the end. But there's something to note first. The usual ending, by the way, the phrase about thy kingdom, or sorry, the kingdom, the power, and the glory, was an early Christian addition to the prayer. We've stuck it on the end of the prayer that Jesus gave us. And so, in reality, in this version of Matthew chapter 6, it's not there. And we'll stick to what Jesus actually said. Most of us, most human beings who pray, begin with the most obvious prayer of all. And that's the prayer that in one way or another says, Help! Don't bring us into this great trial, but rescue us from evil. Many people who don't normally pray will, in times of great stress, say some sort of prayer. And like Jesus' disciples on the boat in the storm, most of us in those circumstances don't have the time for leisurely reflection on what prayer is or what form it should take or what words we should use. All we can do is cry out, Help! Bad things are about to happen, so please stop them. Help! There's bad stuff out there. Rescue me from it. Or more formal, help, deliver us from evil. This is what I mean by saying that most of us come into the Lord's Prayer, into the house, by the back door. But in some ways, that's fine. If you're in, you're in. But might it be perhaps a good thing to work towards the front door? Perhaps even eventually to figure out what might happen if we begin there at the front door instead. But asking for help is how most people begin their prayer time. It's the back door. It's the end of the prayer. It's just not a great place to stop. 
And it is really not the way prayer was designed to be best used. So at this stage, we also hear ourselves praying, why are you doing this to me? There is this sense that God may somehow be responsible for what we're going through, and that perhaps, just perhaps, this is some kind of test, and that we may be in danger of failing this test. The grown-up version of this prayer looks like this. Lead us not in temptation. In other words, do not bring us to the time of trial. That's a newer translation. In other words, don't make me face this kind of test. And there are various kinds of testing or temptations from inside or outside. Things that pressure us to do things we know are wrong, the stress that we're feeling, anxiety that we're living with, things that try our patience, things that test our courage, our faith, our hope, our love. And praying this is the same as praying, how can you do this to me? What are you trying to prove? Why am I having to face this stuff? Don't put me in a position where I might crack under pressure. Why are you allowing this to happen to me, God? Most people start prayer at that point, the back door. And then, maybe, they move forward to the next major petition. And the next major priority in the life of the prayer is forgive us. And forgive us the things we owe as we too have forgiven what was owed to us. Or the usual form that takes, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Actually, many Christians conveniently forget that second half, as we forgive others. Partly because it's so difficult. Partly because it's such a remarkable and difficult thing that we actually have to commit to forgiving? Forgiving others? Or we won't receive forgiveness? That's true. Remember, our forgiveness is conditional. We're forgiven in the same proportion that we forgive others. This is good news. The gospel tells us that we are forgiven and that God has dealt with all of our sin, past, present, and future. And because my sins are forgiven, I can be at peace with God. And because my sins are forgiven, I can enjoy his presence right now. And because my sins are forgiven, I know that I will not go to hell after all this is over. But this is still a room at the back of the house. We're still working our way in from the back kitchen, from the back door. And we're not even near the main entrance hall where we should have entered this experience that we call prayer. And at this point, many believers work back in the prayer to the point where, as well as asking to be rescued, to be spared this present trial, to be forgiven, they realize they need to ask for all sorts of other things that are pressing in their lives. And this leads us to the third petition or prayer. We pray for our daily bread. So we read, give us today the bread we need now. Or, in the more traditional format, give us this day our daily bread. 
Bread here is important in its own right. Unless we eat fairly regularly, nothing much is going to happen other than we'll die or be unhealthy. It's also a symbol for all the other things we want to request. So it's our daily needs is what it's talking about. Asking for what we need is okay. It's appropriate. It's what children do with parents. And this is precisely the relationship God wants us to have with him. We are his children. To as many as receive them, he has made them his children. First chapter 1 of John's Gospel. We're in the main dining room. This really is a meal being set before us, and we really are welcome, even if we have come through the back door rather than through the front door. God is really interested in feeding us, meeting our daily needs. In fact, Scripture states in Matthew chapter 6, the same chapter as the Lord's Prayer, verse 8, that our Father knows what we have need of before we ask Him. And in the mind of Jesus, give us our daily bread has a much larger kingdom context that we can easily miss because we have such pressing needs for the daily bread. And because we came in the back door. But that discussion is for another time and place. So then, so far, working backwards, we have a prayer for help. We have a prayer to not be tested to the breaking point. We have a prayer for forgiveness, conditional forgiveness. And we have a prayer for daily needs or bread. All well and good. All these are important. Even if people too often approach this great house, this prayer, through the back door. In other words, backwards. So what happens next? What happens when we come through the kitchen and the dining room into the main entrance hall? Well, we reach the part of the prayer when it's about here and now. Here and now. May your kingdom come here and now. May your will be done here and now. As in heaven, so on the earth. Here and now. The old way of praying was your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We should recognize that at this point we have turned a corner. Up to this point, working back through the prayer, we focused on our own needs. Now we look up and we see a larger plan. We see the kingdom and we see the heavens. It's time for God to become king here and now. It is time for heaven to be experienced on earth. Now at last we have come into the entrance hall and we glimpse our host for the first time. Here we begin to think kingdom. And believe it or not, the kingdom does address all the issues we've already looked at. In his ministry, the way Jesus explained the kingdom, the way he lived the kingdom, meant that he was telling people to look up beyond their concerns and see the big picture, the kingdom picture. To look beyond the way they thought everything should work out. Matthew chapter 6, again the same chapter as the Lord's Prayer, verse 33, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added onto you. All these things you've been doing in prayer, having entered by the back door, all these things that are about us, our needs, our hurts, our forgiveness, 
All those things will be added to us if we just seek first the kingdom. But we miss that because we didn't come in the front door. We came in the back door. The challenge of the kingdom here and now is the challenge of seeing that the living God, as king, has plans for his people and for the world that will translate all our hopes and longings and desires to another plane, another level entirely. I think we misunderstand this part of the prayer, which reads, on earth as in heaven. Not in heaven as in heaven. It's a prayer for God to take us to heaven. No, not in the least. It's not a prayer to give us heavenly spiritual experiences here and now. This is us praying for the coming together of heaven and earth here and now, not their separation. We're too busy telling people, get saved so you can go to heaven when you die. I'm sorry, heaven is supposed to be here upon the earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. So the kingdom of heaven, same word, same place, is at hand. In other words, it's here on the earth. And we are to pray that it continue to expand and be experienced on the earth. We are praying, if we're praying it correctly, for the coming together of heaven and earth here and now, not their separation. The New Testament writers insisted that heaven and earth should be joined together in the end within the eventual new creation. The whole point of what Jesus was doing was that this coming together of earth and heaven was starting right now with his ministry. That's why in Mark 1.15 he says, Repent, for the kingdom of God is here and now. It's at hand. And if we approach the Lord's Prayer backwards, as we regularly do, then we are bound to make the mistake of reducing God's kingdom to God doing what we want him or need him to do. It becomes all about us, our needs, our wants, our dreams, our hurts, our diseases. And it's not about the king and the kingdom, because we came in the wrong door. Jesus, by teaching this prayer, wanted his people to see that everything is about the king and the kingdom on earth, here and now. So the issue of priorities and kingdom must be our first priority because that's what it was with Jesus. Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus wants our focus to be his kingdom, not our needs, because the Father knows what you have need of even before you ask. Verse 8, Matthew 6. He wanted us to start, to start by focusing on God and his kingdom, not focusing on ourselves and our needs. In other words, he wants us to come in the front door, greeting our host as we come in the front door. We need to understand what the gospel, the good news, really is all about. And it's more than being saved. It's more than escaping one day to heaven. The gospel is that the living God is indeed establishing his kingdom on earth as it is established in heaven. And he's doing that through the finished work of Jesus. 
And he's inviting people like you and me, people of all sorts, to share not only in the benefits of this kingdom, but also in the work through which it will come to its ultimate completion. And this means turning things inside out so that our self-centered prayers for help, for rescue, for forgiveness, for daily bread, will turn into the God-centered prayer for God's kingdom to come in God's way here and now. Then all these other things will be added on to us. So we are now ready to greet our host and speak to God face to face. And this brings us to the first petition in the prayer. Honor and glory to your name. Honor and glory to your name. Or, more traditional way, hallowed be thy name, or may your name be honored. And this is really the heart of the Lord's Prayer. It's the heart of all prayer. This is the heart of the Gospel as well. God's name is to be hallowed, honored, glorified. Usually we use this word, hallowed, to mean respected or even historic, such as when people talk about the hallowed halls of an old university or college. And yes, we should respect God and his name. After all, God is our Father. He is a stunningly generous creator, the supreme wise ruler and guide of the nations. He's the Father of Jesus. He's the God who makes promises and keeps them. He's the Lord of the angels. He's utterly faithful, utterly loving, utterly determined to bring heaven and earth together in a glorious and fulfilled way. But really, honor and glory to your name is about worship. The starting point of all fully Christian prayer is worship, if we come in the front door the way we're supposed to. Putting this the other way around, Learning to worship, the word means celebrating the worth of someone or something, is in this case God himself. Learning to worship is learning to be a Christian. At this point in the prayer, we're celebrating the good news. God is our Heavenly Father, and he's at the door waiting to greet his children. And so we glorify his name because he is an amazing God. This God has come to be with us. Jesus is God with us. And so we give honor and glory to him. We celebrate his name and his nature. We recognize he came to make all things new as we welcome him and his kingdom into our lives. And because of that, we make him first priority. And that's the essence of true worship, giving honor and glory to God and only to God. And the reason for that is right at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, our Heavenly Father. Now at last we're meeting our host. He does not mind that we've come through the back door by mistake. He's just glad that we're here now and is welcoming us warmly. And when we learn to call him Father, we will finally understand the heart of God. Not everybody thinks of God as Father. Not everybody wants him to be their Father. In John chapter 1, verse 12, To all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. 
Jesus came to announce a new reality breaking into the world, that there was one true God, and in and through believing in Jesus, this God became our Father, our Heavenly Father, and we became sons and daughters of God, chosen and adopted, according to Ephesians chapter 1. So as we stand at the front door, we realize that we've been praying backwards, focusing on our needs and our wants, instead of glorifying and honoring and hugging our Heavenly Father. Making our little personal world our focus, instead of the kingdom being our focus. And because we came in the back door, we'd be missing the opportunity to embrace the kingdom and kingdom life. And then to release kingdom life into the world where it can transform other people's lives, heal and deliver people, and set other people free. Once we pray in the right order, knowing and personally experiencing God, our Heavenly Father, and worshiping Him, then we can pray and be involved in the release and expansion of His kingdom on earth, heaven on earth. Then within that context, we can pray for our bread, daily needs, forgiveness, help in real temptation and resisting it, and then go through whatever trials we may be facing. Now God can answer our prayers because we are personally and intimately involved in a relationship with God, who is our Heavenly Father, as we stand at the front door of prayer and embrace Him for who He is. So once we have got God's fatherhood, his name, his kingdom in the right perspective, everything else follows. Things we need, things we want, forgiveness, release from stress, help with tests and trials. Jesus did not give us the Lord's Prayer as a prayer to repeat mindlessly over and over again. He gave us this prayer to show us what his priorities are, and thus what our prayer focus should be, and in what order we should be praying things. He wanted us to start by relating to God as our Heavenly Father, who loves us and cares about us, and invites us to worship Him, and then invites us to be a part of the big picture, His kingdom. And then within this big picture of heaven and earth becoming one, not heaven out there is a place to go to when we die, we can see and understand that he knows all that we need. He knows what we need before we ask. And he is ready as our Father to hear us when we ask as we are his children. And we know that he hears us and will answer our prayers when we pray in line with his will. Just take a minute and read the first letter of John, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And because of all this, Prayer should be a joy and not a chore.